Welcome to Analytics for Society, the podcast where we discuss how analytics can be used for the greater good with leading experts from different fields. I'm your host, Jörn Teglem, Managing Director in SAS Institute Norway. Today we will be discussing sustainable banking and how technology can help in the transition to a green economy. The most significant global initiatives driving the sustainability agenda continue to be the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. The focus on these seems to be increasing, and I'm curious about the role both regulators and financial institutions can be playing on this green path, and how technology can be an enabler to support and accelerate this transition. I'm really pleased to be joined today by Lina Oskar, Director for Sustainable Finance at Finance Norway, and Rasmus Fiegenskau, Group Executive Vice President of Payments and Innovation at DNB. A warm welcome to both of you. So just to set the stage here, Lena, let's start with you. Could you briefly explain to the listeners the role of Finance Norway and introduce them to your exciting position there? Yes, uh, Finance Norway is the industry organization for the financial industry in Norway. Finance Norway represents more than 200 financial companies with around 50,000 employees. And one of Finance Norway's main tasks is making sure that the business conditions and regulations regarding the financial industry are as sound as possible, so that the financial industry can be safe, competitive and solid and serve the economy with our services. And one important aspect in this regard is supporting the transition to a sustainable economy. The financial industry has a large role in this area as our members choose what companies and projects gets financed and to what price. As an industry organization, Finance Norway is actively engaged in discussions and consultations regarding regulations and the business conditions for the financial industry, both in Norway but also in Brussels where most of the EU regulations are developed. And this leads to my role. As a director of sustainable finance in Finance Norway, I'm actively engaged in discussions with my members about sustainability issues and climate and environmental risks, especially in what way the financial industry can meet these issues in the best possible way. I'm also closely following EU's regulatory work on sustainable finance, and there is a lot of new regulation on the way in this area. And we have to be an active part of the discussion on how this legal framework should be set up so that it actually leads to a more sustainable financial industry and, more important, a more sustainable economy. Mm. I can just feel the passion you have for your role, Lena. Yes. <laughs> really interesting. Thank you. Um, Rasmus, how about you? Uh, I know you have a lot in your mind as well. Could I challenge you to, to a brief introduction on DNB and your role within payments and innovation? Sure. So uh, DNB is the largest financial group in uh, Norway. So most Norwegian listeners probably are aware of it. Uh, we are also the largest in the Nordics when it comes to the market cap. Uh, we're, we're knifing the number one space. So sometimes it's the Swedes and sometimes it's DNB. Uh, and uh, secondly, we also have certain industries that we are globally leading on. So we have uh, international branches uh, that have niche competence on certain industries. 
Um, with specifically my role, uh, I'm head of an area called payments and innovation, as you said. Uh, we focus on the payments area, obviously, uh, but also uh, on innovations that are happening either on the technolo- technological side, uh, but also on the business model side. So both these happen simultaneously, sometimes driven by consumer demand, sometimes driven by regulations, and they change uh, they change the premises both for us as a bank, but also for our customers. Uh, so everything also to do with strategic partnerships and how we work with, with related parties uh, is also within payments and innovation. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of informa- stuff we could dig into there. So let's see if we can touch upon it during the, during the conversation. Thank you. Sustainability and sustainable banking can mean a lot these days. Uh, let's start by clarifying the terminology to give our listeners an understanding of what we're talking about. Rasmus, in your aspect, what does sustainable banking mean to DNB? Well, short definition is referring to how the uh, credit lending is integrating uh, ESG uh, into its decision process. Um, that's to get the right uh, decisions on loans and investments, both for the for the bank, for the customers, uh, and for, for society as large. Uh, but specifically, we've also chosen some areas of ESG uh, that we believe that DNB can make a real difference. So um, the, the four most important areas where we've chosen uh, is that DNB should be a driving force for equality and diversity. Uh, DNB should finance sustainable growth through loans and investments. Um, DNB will combat financial crime and contribute to a safe digital economy. And we will help our customers manage their personal finances. So covering all three ESGs there. So we have on, on in the environmental side, we have specific targets that I might get back to if, uh, if time permits. Thank you. Lena, do you and Finance Norway share that perspective on, on the definition and, and also the focus DMB has in this area? Uh, yes, uh, I do. And uh, to kind of summarize it, to me, sustainable banking means the many ways in which financial institutions can manage their environmental and so- social impact. And shortly summarized, it's how banks and other financial institutions can actually make a positive impact on society. So it has to uh, be integrated in all parts of banks' operations. Do you just see the same focus on, you know, on the smaller banks as on the larger financial institutions? So Rasmus talked a lot now from, from a bigger bank's perspective as well, where you have a good, a lot of people around you that can discuss and, and you know, help evaluate and make those strategies. Do you see the same focus when we come to the, to the, to the long tail of the smaller banks and, and new startups in this area? Yes, uh, I, I believe that all financial institutions have a role to play here. Uh, and uh, all banks, uh, re- not regarding the size, they are all close to their customers. And I know that both large and smaller banks are actively engaged in discussions with their customers on how they can manage climate risk and transition to a more sustainable business. And they have all started the discussions about how to integrate sustainability issues in their banking operations. Thank you. I, I guess I would just add to that. I think the common thread that any small or large bank feels that it's uh, from the from our customers, uh, be they large or small, this is a topic that comes up and certain times it's even pressure or demands on it. Um, and and also investors are, are uh, more frequently asking about measures and actually, you know, how we're contributing either directly through our own operations 
or through our, um, you know, more extended reach through uh, through customers, be that through loans or investments. Mm. Wonderful. I think before we dive deeper into that Norwegian market and those perspectives and the impact on both banks and customers, I, I want to address the macro level and talk a bit about the role of governments and regulators. So even though the prime responsibility for ensuring the success of the Paris Agreement rests with governments, it's up to central banks and supervisors to shape and address climate-related risk. On the European front, the European Green Deal sets out the objective of making Europe the first climate-neutral continent by 2050. The financial sector is expected to play a key part here. So let's start with you, Lena. What role do you see that the regulators play on a European scale to drive this European Green Deal? As you mentioned, the EU has some really ambitious goals on sustainability, with large reductions in CO2 emissions planned, in addition to plans for a more circular and socially including economy. At the same time, European authorities know that there is not enough public capital to support these goals. They are actually in need of private capital to finance the transition to a sustainable economy. And this is where the EU action plan on sustainable finance comes in. The regulators have really thought about a lot of solutions to facilitate the financing of green and sustainable activities. And from my point of view, the EU's work on sustainable finance is a game changer. There has so far been a lot of different definitions of ESG factors and ESG risk, but now the EU taxonomy will define sustainability for the vast majority of economic activities. Furthermore, EU authorities will define ESG risk from a financial risk point of view, and it's all made into binding regulations with clear demands, especially in the reporting area. And it's important for the Norwegian business sector to familiarize themselves with these regulations, because fulfillment of the criteria for sustainability will be an important factor when they fund their activities. However, there are many issues that prevail and have to be discussed, and solutions have to be found. ESG data availability and comparability are large issues in this respect, both in the EU and in Norway. Thank you, Lena. And I think, you know, over to you, Rasmus, how we talked a bit about the government's regulators, you know, and their role and, and the EU's ambitious goals here. Um, how do you, as, as, you know, the largest or one of the largest uh, Nordic financial institutions react to this role? you positive to this role? Do, do you cooperate with them? How do you react to this role? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that our, our cooperation with Finance Norway also on this point is, is crucial. I think it's very important that we coordinate on these issues. We support the stance and position of, of EU's Green Deal, of Finance um, and, and when it comes to DNB, and you mentioned the size, I think it both our, our size in the Norwegian society and, and our government, strong government ownership, both sort of puts a very strong peg into our contribution to this uh, as a corporation. Uh, ensuring that Norwegian businesses adjust to the coming regulations and also then thus the transition to low carbon uh, economy. Um, and so how we actually do that is, is we, we, you know, if I look at uh, the shipping industry, which I, I used to work in when I, a few years ago, you know, a lot has happened there in, in terms of our dialogue with our customers. Um, so we speak about ESG um, you know, specific meetings on ESG with our customers uh, 
as of this year, uh, we put in clauses on every new loans or every uh, renewal of loans uh, of uh, when it comes to recycling of ships. Um, there's numerous examples where ESG, it started before this broadcast. We speak, spoke briefly about how this was sort of in the periphery of a lot of organizations and it's been, been moving uh, and perforating the organization in a much larger way. It started with... Uh, sort of the typical green stuff like windmill and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then it gradually has now migrated to every part of our, our portfolio in terms of real estate, um, housing, etc. So we see that many parts of the organization are embracing this both to uh, steer our consumers and the uh, large corporates into a direction and and hopefully we'll get back to some of the tools we use for that but but clearly we see our role not just as a large company in uh, by a norwegian standard but also by how we can work with our customers i think that's great and i'll I'll touch upon that as well when we get to the industry and business part of of the conversation a bit later as well and i think Kind of like the link between sustainability and business is is a crucial discussion to have, not only on this podcast, but also in, in real life. And uh, we know that we need to take many actions today to drive long term. You, you went into the ESG, uh, environmental, social and governance effects. And, and research already shows also an increasing positive link between such ESG performance and financial performance or value creation. We had a discussion, and we talked about this before the podcast as well, a discussion with Aquabio Marina last year, where, where Mathieu Hansen and so forth, that are kind of like they were investing heavily in, in going into fairly fragile environments all the way up north with either a green or a brown strategy. And, and it, it's really important that business leaders on that level think and, and have a counterpart in the bank to discuss with. So, Lena, uh, we are touching now upon industries that are clearly brown or or clearly green. But what about all those in between? We talked about shipping, you know, that could be one of those in between. What is the debate and discussions with them on this transition and their contribution to this uh, sustainability uh, agenda? Yeah, as you say, some industries and activities are clearly green and some are clearly brown. Uh, that's uh, quite easy to, to spot, uh, usually. But the biggest issue is with activities that are in between and so-called transition activities. Some industries are necessary in our common economy, but there are no sustainable solutions for these industries today, like low carbon solutions. But these industries are transitioning to more sustainable operations and solutions. And these transition Transitions are very important in the transition to a sustainable economy and have to be defined and reasonably financed. And you mentioned long-distance shipping uh, and also for fishing boats. I know there are uh, there's a lack of low-carbon solutions, but there's a lot of innovations going on in uh, these industries with hybrid motors, uh, ammonia and hydrogen fuels, etc. So they are really trying to find solutions to actually make their businesses more green. And uh, I believe we have to make sure that this innovation is also incentivized because that would be so important in that uh, overall transition to a sustainable economy. Fully agree. Uh, Rasmus, uh, if, you, if we were to DMB's role in this, do you monitor and discuss with these clients uh, about you know, green, brown and in-between industries? And 
Is their own transition to a low-carbon economy something you do challenge or an aim to influence, or, or do you just leave that to them to decide? Mm. I think it very much comes up naturally in the sense that the same forces that the bank are feeling, most of the large corporates that we speak to uh, feel that same pressure from their consumers and from their regulatory bodies. Uh, but this is not just for the large corporates. I mean, in terms of the risk analysis we do, ESG is incorporated into every loan above 1 million euro. So if you go back five to 10 years, uh, certainly we addressed it, but it has a huge, I mean, much larger position now than it did uh, in terms of just doing a risk assessment of a loan. Some of it, as you mentioned, is part uh, or, or is directly correlated to uh, the risk of the loan. So stranded assets. So we see that certain uh, certain uh, certain of our customers might have assets that are less relevant in the future. So how we assess that risk and how that is tied to the you know in parallel uh, tied to to the to, to reducing uh, carbon emissions. Um, we, we use, of course, uh, third-party screening, ESG screenings. Uh, we, I mean, the companies Sustainalytics sustain, uh, sustain and MSCI. Um, but, but we also, uh, I mean, I think the most important, in addition to the third parties, is that direct dialogue with our customers uh, in order to drive that change. And, and when Lena spoke earlier, I, I thought about nudging. Uh, you know, that's uh, obviously social economists came up with that a few years ago, and I think it applies very strongly here, and I think the banks have a role. Um, so some of it is directly related to projects, and we do green bonds, green loans, etc., that have better terms. But it, the nudging would also come in when we have general corporate deals that are done, but where uh, it's tied to an interest rate that will be uh, determined by a climate strategy, by certain metrics that you agree upon, uh, and a commitment. For in this case, for example, there was a loan to Nosh Kydro, uh, that, that their commitment to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 10% uh, by 2025. Uh, you know, and then depending on whether that measurement is made or not, uh, then interest rate goes up or down. So clearly that nudging can be played uh, in various ways through our or to our consumers and to uh, large corporates. It's mm. really interesting. It will be interesting also to understand what kind of, uh, how strong is the nudging? You know, is, is, it, a, is it a small nudging? Yeah. Or do you really put an impact in there to make it strong enough to, to incentivize them to, to, to make the transition? And I think the biggest challenge of that is is the, the pace of which this is moving. I mean, the pace certainly of uh, the awareness and the importance of this moving very fast, but also the technological shift that is happening. If we go too far into instrumenting certain types of behavior or certain um, direction, uh, look at in the, going back to the shipping industry, scrubbing was considered to be sort of the, the next big thing, and all companies who have gone into that. Uh, have faced a very bad uh, investment over time. It could change depending on on bunker fuel uh, spreads, etc. But that's more technical. But but the fact is, there are things that were LNG as another example where it's considered the right choice. A few years later, we find that it might not be as right choice. Uh, and I th- think the banks then have have uh, have a responsibility of nudging, but not nudging in a way that uh, increases risk uh, also to the companies mm-hmm. that we. Uh, Okay, a balanced approach. Yeah. So if I follow up with you, Lean, on that one, where, where do you see like the banking industry heading in, you know, towards 2030 when the UN sustainability development goals must be met? Is it, will it look the same as today or will we see significant changes? 
I think we will see significant changes. I believe and I hope that in 10 years from now, <coughs> sustainability issues and management of ESG risk will be integrated in all of banks' core operations in a formal and standardized uh, way, like other mainstream financial issues are today. I also think that there will be standardized reporting from uh, companies and banks and that the focus on sustainability issues and ESG risk management will be a requirement for, for both banks and companies going forward, both from the legal side, but also from the market side. Investors are already requiring ESG analysis of companies and banks when they make their investment decisions. And this will just continue with increased momentum going forward, I believe. I think it's interesting you both touch on investors and and just i would just want to move us even further into to that one and we hear the term greenwashing you know it's kind of like uh, how companies are giving false impressions or provide misleading information on their products being environmentally sound so with the effect of customer mis- mistrust if there are courts and some say we are confused as to the definition of being green so, Lean, in your perspective, is consumer mistrust an issue here? And is our demands and expectations as consumers, and then again, investors as well, changing? Yes, I, I, I think this is really changing now. Uh, I, I believe that the new generations, like the Generation Y and Z, will have very different demands when they buy products and place their savings compared to older generations. There are actually some analyses that uh, have stated the, this uh, effect and uh, yeah, transitioning. And sustainable products both within general businesses, but also within the financial markets, will not be a nice to have, but a need to have going forward. And I believe that most people from this younger generation will not accept to put their money in unsustainable businesses. And the awareness about sustainability issues is much larger in this uh, generation. So I think we will actually see quite large shifts in this uh, area. So Rasmus, how do you and the rest of the leadership team at DNB ensure that you move beyond the consumer distrust and help build a more sustainable future? So I think, you know, speaking to a banker and talking about trust is, is perfect. Uh, trust is central to our, uh, to our business model, uh, historically about credit, but now about various other things. Um, like ESG, uh, where the environmental is something we spoke in a lot about, but also the social and governance is key uh, and, and dramatically changing these days. So um, environmental takes up a lot of our time, but also when it looks when we consider uh, anti-money laundering and when we consider um, the uh, cybersecurity, etc., these things are in massive movement as well. So. I mean, I would draw a picture of where the banking industry has moved from where financial risk and the trust between, you know, lender and borrower was the key principle within banking. And of course, that the depositors knew that their bank was safe, etc. Core banking principles have widened dramatically over the last 10 years and become much more complex in the fact that the responsibility of the bank is now to keep your 
money uh, safe also from digital uh, digital theft, etc., of course, but also in terms of money laundering and terror f- financing at, for society as large. So we've taken on a lot of more responsibilities uh, at various scenes. And, and then the environmental is then directly with our customers. But so much of this is tied together and is now uh, at the group management uh, level much more than it was uh, in the past. Mm. And I, you, a point you uh, you went into in the beginning of the podcast as well around you know partnerships and uh, part of your role payments and also innovation you know and the widespread distribution now of you know digitization fintech regtech uh, new regulatory comp- uh, requirements. There should be no shortfall of radical innovation in the financial ecosystem. But uh, Elina, if we go a bit back on, on technology on your end as well, is there currently technologies and solutions in place that can define and, and map out what's sustainable and what's not? Uh, yes, there are, but a lot is missing. Uh, but there are also a lot of innovation and technological development in the sustainability area. And some of these can help define a map what's sustainable and not. Collection and analysis of different type of information and data is important in this regard. Another interesting thing that are happening on the technology side are different kinds of solutions to manage environmental values, such as biodiversity. I've heard of uh, one solution on biodiversity that the World Economic Forum is uh, looking at. And it's quite interesting. It's a solution that aims to put all genetic codes of the biodiversity of the Amazon rainforest on the blockchain. And pharmaceutical companies and scientists will then be offered to buy access to the genetic information using a cryptocurrency, which is programmed to be directly paid to the communities taking care of the rainforest. I think this is just very interesting. And We also see this within the financial community. We see several European banks are investigating how data tools can allow for biodiversity measurement and development of biodiversity footprinting methodology. So there's a lot happening, but there's still a lot job to be done on many aspects. But hopefully in the years to come, we will have many technological solutions to help us to the transition to sustainable economy. I think the examples you have there are great. And I think they're spot on as to helping that transition and how technology can be a part. And I know Erasmus DMB is also defining themselves as a technology company over the last years. And you recently joined the interest group for Norwegian ICT industry, Ecotenorga, as the first banker ever. Congratulations. Uh, and just in your view, what areas of innovation do you expect to see as a result of, of this transformation or transition? And then, for example, in the area of sustainable climate risk. So, so, so you touched upon how we work a lot with, with partnerships. Some of them are directly within fintech. Others, like through Startup Lab, we see exposure to prop tech and, and, and uh, mobility uh, changes that are all driving to 
either directly or indirectly impact climate change. So uh, I believe the banking industry as a whole and DNB in partnership with all the large uh, or all, almost all the, the banks in Norway uh, have gone together to, to, to create VIPs, of course. Uh, and um, through various of our tools like digital wallets, uh, like various simplifying payments or onboarding and what have you, can, can enable some of these startups to make the impact that they need to have. Uh, be that car sharing um, or, uh, or or house sharing, etc. So there's a lot of things that are going on that have will have an impact. Uh, so that's how we you know work with partners directly for DNB. Um, I believe that information is key to driving this change. Uh, as we've spoken about earlier in this podcast, a lot of the uh, interest of the stakeholders are actually driving in the same direction. Consumers government, regulatory bodies, of course, investors. And then also the employees are increasingly and, and um, passionately engaged in this. So um, giving information that allows you to measure and then measure change is important. And for DMB, that does not then just apply to us alone, but also to some of our companies. So our transition into becoming uh, more of an IT company and having more uh, use of data and insights is an important tool of that. Uh, so there are numerous examples, but if I take one close to, to my heart and one of our own uh, solutions, it's the savings app called Spare, uh, where we now offer uh, to see the to, to allow the consumer to choose, well, they have to choose uh, their uh, environmental preference. And that also forces us to look at all the funds we have in their environmental footprint and how we can satisfy and change it. So just being aware of um, of this uh, makes an impact directly. And we see some with various success. It's very complicated, but some have also tried to, to measure the environmental impact of every purchase you make. I believe if we continue to go in that direction, we as consumers start uh, considering whether we buy that T-shirt or that pair of shoes or whatnot, so I think information here, I guess, I come back to is crucial, and I think the bank have a, banks have an important role in that. I think you have a great example there on the awareness part, and the, the example we have in Spark. I didn't know that uh, until you mentioned it now, and I think it's also a great example. I think also the mixture that you mentioned before, Lena, on blockchain, you know, as a key technology that can enable openness. And I know you're a big driver as well in, the, in terms of the open banking, Cosmos. So that the ability to get kind of like get everyone on board and sharing data and get that openness into kind of like the key KPIs we want to drive after is a key thing. So we need to close. We're fairly close to the wrap up of the conversation. Uh, we could be going for a lot longer, uh, I feel. But uh, I want to ask you a final question. And uh, could I challenge you on sharing your top three tips for other organizations wanting to embrace sustainability and also make sure that their efforts have an impact on their business or bottom line? Yes, I, I can go first. I, I, I think for uh, many companies, it's important just to admit that sustainability issues has to be managed in all of the business operation. You have to start the discussion and analyze where can we have an actual impact and how can we do, uh, do this impact in the best possible way. And businesses are different. Uh, so you have to start the discussion about where can you actually make uh, a real impact. 
So discussions, analysis, I think it's important. We just have to start uh, start this work on how can we do this together. So, yeah. Mm. Wonderful. Thank you. You, Rasmus? Yeah, I mean, um, I think sometimes measuring the impact on the bottom line and, and having a clear, uh, you know, investment rationale for it uh, is sometimes hard. But certainly, I think uh, starting with yourself, as Lina pointed to, I think is the most crucial. Um, start measuring your carbon footprint for, for DNB that has not been very large, but it's been essential for us in order to understand it, in order to have that dialogue, transparency in our annual reports, etc. So we tracked that for the last, uh, I guess, 2011. Uh, we started doing that. Um, also create, uh, in that transparency, you also then create specific targets. And I mentioned previously, you know, our targets in terms of on the lending side. So by 2025, we'll contribute for DNB 450 billion uh, to the financing of renewable energy and infrastructure. And at the same period, 2025, we'll have a total of 130 billion to the financing of green property development. So by having those specific targets, they actually drive change. So that's number one. I would say... Secondly, uh, is to join uh, relevant industry interest groups. Uh, obviously, part of it is in dialogue with the Finance Norge. Others would be specific to an industry. Poseidon for the shipping industry is something we've joined. Uh, you add value, but you also gain a lot from the insights and the dialogue with the other parties. I think lastly, uh, is this dialogue part. Have an open dialogue, an exploratory open dialogue with key stakeholders. And that can be NGOs that you wouldn't normally think of would be, you know, looking kindly to your perspective, uh, lobby organizations, uh, competitors, customers. I mean, all these have uh, important perspectives. And, and very often, even with someone who have a very contrarian view, once you go beyond sort of the banner perspective, then you have a much more nuanced uh, dialogue where... Both parties actually come enriched out of it. So we found that to be uh, very, uh, very uh, giving. Just to build on that, Rasmus, because I think uh, curiosity is also a theme very close to, to my heart and, and Sasa's heart. And I think uh, technology in itself c- can enable change, but also kind of like the new, uh, the new culture, you know, the new investigation methods that we do when we do explore and we go into startups. We try to solve a problem in new ways. And the approach you have then to the conversation and discussions is also a key contributing part that technology can bring to that table. Thank you so much, Lina and Rasmus, for joining me today and sharing your perspectives and experiences. You have been listening to the Analytics for Society podcast, where we have been discussing sustainable banking and how technology can help in the transition to a greener and more sustainable economy. Tune in to our other episodes to learn more about how technology can help your business with social innovation and transformation, while at the same time benefiting the greater good of society.